0: chapter thirty three of the adventures of ferdinand count fathom by tobias smollett this librivox recording is in the public domain such a pre-eminence could not be enjoyed without exciting the malevolence of envy and detraction in the propagation of which none were so industrious as the brethren of his own order who had like him made a descent upon this island and could not, without repining, see the whole harvest in the hands of one man, who, with equal art and discretion, avoided all intercourse with their society. In vain they strove to discover his pedigree, and detect the particular circumstances of his life and conversation. All their inquiries were baffled by the obscurity of his origin, and that solitary scheme which he had adopted in the beginning of his career. The whole fruit of their investigation amounted to no more than a certainty that there was no family of any consideration in Europe known by the denomination of Fathom, and this discovery they did not fail to divulge for the benefit of our adventurer, who had by this time taken such firm root in the favour of the great, as to set all those little arts at defiance, and when the report reached his ear, actually made his friends merry with the conjectures which had been circulated at his expense. His adversaries, finding themselves disappointed in this effort, held a consultation to devise other measures against him, and came to a resolution of ending him by the sword, or rather of expelling him from the kingdom by the fear of death, which they hoped he had not courage enough to resist, because his deportment had always been remarkably mild and pacific. It was upon this supposition that they left to the determination of the dice the choice of the person who should execute their plan and the lot falling upon a Swiss, who from the station of a foot-soldier in the Dutch service, out of which he had been drummed for theft, had erected himself into the rank of a self-created chevalier, this hero fortified himself with a double dose of brandy, and betook himself to a certain noted coffee-house, with an intent to affront Count Fathom in public. He was lucky enough to find our adventurer sitting at a table in conversation with some persons of the first rank, upon which he seated himself in the next box, and after having intruded himself into their discourse, which happened to turn upon the politics of some German courts. "'Count,' said he to Ferdinand, in a very abrupt and disagreeable manner of address, "'I was last night in company with some gentlemen, among whom a dispute happened about the place of your nativity. Pray, what country are you of?' "'Sir,' answered the other, with great politeness, I at present have the honour to be of England.' "'Oh, ho!' replied the Chevalier. "'I ask your pardon, that is to say, you are Incog. Some people may find it convenient to keep themselves in that situation.' "'True,' said the Count, "'but some people are too well known to enjoy that privilege.' The Swiss being a little disconcerted at this repartee, which extracted a smile from the audience, after some pause, Observed that persons of a certain class had good reason to drop the remembrance of what they have been, but a good citizen will not forget his country or former condition. And a bad citizen, said Fathom, cannot if he would, provided he has met with his deserts. A sharper may as well forget the shape of a die, or a discarded soldier the sound of a drum. As the chevalier's character and story were not unknown, this application raised a universal laugh at his expense, which provoked him to such a degree that starting up he swore Fathom could not have mentioned any object in nature that he himself resembled so much as a drum, which was exactly typified by his emptiness and sound, with this difference, however, that a drum was never noisy till beaten, whereas the Count would never be quiet until he should have undergone the same discipline. So saying, he laid his hand upon his sword with a menacing look, and walked out as if in expectation of being followed by our adventurer, who suffered himself to be detained by the company, and very calmly took notice that his antagonist would not be ill pleased at their interposition. Perhaps he would not have comported himself with such ease and deliberation, had not he made such remarks upon the disposition of the chevalier, as convinced him of his own safety. He had perceived a perplexity and perturbation in the countenance of the Swiss, when he first entered the coffee-room. His blunt and precipitate way of accosting him seemed to denote confusion and compulsion, and in the midst of his ferocity this accurate observer discerned the trepidation of fear. By the help of these signs his sagacity soon comprehended the nature of his schemes, and prepared accordingly for a formal defiance. His conjecture was verified next morning by a visit from the chevalier, who, taking it for granted that Fathom would not face an adversary in the field, because he had not followed him from the coffee-house, went to his lodgings with great confidence, and demanded to see the count upon an affair that would admit of no delay. Maurice, according to his instructions, told him that his master was gone out, but desired he would have the goodness to repose himself in the parlour till the count's return, which he expected every moment. Ferdinand, who had taken post in a proper place for observation, seeing his antagonist fairly admitted, took the same road, and appearing before him, wrapped up in a long Spanish cloak, desired to know what had procured him the honour of such an early visit. The Swiss, raising his voice to conceal his agitation, explained his errand, in demanding reparation for the injury his honour had sustained the preceding day, in that odious allusion to a scandalous report which had been raised by the malice of his enemies, and insisted, in a very imperious style, upon his attending him forthwith to the nursery in Hyde Park. "'Have a little patience,' said our adventurer with great composure, "'and I will do myself the pleasure to wait upon you in a few moments.' With these words he rang the bell, and, calling for a basin of water, laid aside his cloak and displayed himself in his shirt with a sword in his right hand, which was all over besmeared with recent blood, as if he had just come from the slaughter of a foe. This phenomenon made such an impression upon the astonished chevalier, already discomposed by the resolute behaviour of the Count, that he became jaundiced with terror and dismay, and, while his teeth chattered in his head, told our hero he had hoped, from his known politeness, to have found him ready to acknowledge an injury which might have been the effect of anger or misapprehension, in which case the affair might have been compromised to their mutual satisfaction, without proceeding to those extremities which, among men of honour, are always accounted the last resource. To this representation Ferdinand answered that the affair had been of the Chevalier's own seeking, inasmuch as he had introduced himself into his company, and treated him with the most insolent and unprovoked abuse, which plainly flowed from a premeditated design against his honour and reputation. He therefore, far from being disposed to own himself in the wrong, would not even accept of a public acknowledgment from him, the aggressor, whom he looked upon as an infamous sharper, and was resolved to chastise accordingly. Here the conversation was interrupted by the arrival of a person who was brought to the door in a chair, and conducted into another apartment, from which a message was brought to the Count, that the stranger desired to speak with him upon business of the last importance. Fathom, having chid the servant for admitting people without his order, desired the Swiss to excuse him for a minute longer, and went into the next room, from whence the following dialogue was overheard by this challenger. "'Count,' said the stranger, you are not ignorant of my pretensions to the heart of that young lady at whose house I met you yesterday. Therefore you cannot be surprised when I declare myself displeased with your visits and behavior to my mistress, and demand that you will instantly promise to drop the correspondence.' "'Else what follows?' answered Ferdinand, with a cool and temperate voice. "'My resentment and immediate defiance,' replied the other for the only alternative I propose is to forego your design upon that lady, or to decide our pretension by the sword. Our hero, having expressed regard for this visitant as the son of a gentleman whom he honoured, was at the pains to represent the unreasonableness of his demand, and the folly of his presumption, and earnestly exhorted him to put the issue of his cause upon a more safe and equitable footing. But this admonition, instead of appeasing the wrath, Seemed to inflame the resentment of the opponent, who swore he would not leave him until he should have accomplished the purport of his errand. In vain our adventurer requested half an hour for the despatch of some urgent business, in which he was engaged with a gentleman in the other parlour. This impetuous rival rejected all the terms he could propose, and even challenged him to decide the controversy upon the spot, an expedient to which the other having assented with reluctance, the door was secured, the swords unsheathed, and a hot engagement ensued to the inexpressible pleasure of the Swiss, who did not doubt that he himself would be screened from all danger by the event of this rencontre. Nevertheless, his hope was disappointed in the defeat of the stranger, who was quickly disarmed, in consequence of a wound through the sword-arm, upon which occasion Fathom was heard to say that, in consideration of his youth and family, he had spared his life, but he would not act with the same tenderness towards any other antagonist. He then bound up the limb he had disabled, conducted the vanquished party to his chair, rejoined the chevalier with a serene countenance, and asking pardon for having detained him so long, proposed they should instantly set out in a hackney-coach for the place of appointment. The stratagem thus conducted had all the success the inventor could desire. The fear of the Swiss had risen almost to an ecstasy before the Count quitted the room, but after this sham battle, which had been preconcerted betwixt our adventurer and his friend Rajkali, the Chevalier's terrors were unspeakable. He considered Fathom as a devil incarnate, and went into the coach as a malefactor bound for Tyburn. He would have gladly compounded for the loss of a leg or arm, and entertained some transient gleams of hope that he should escape for half a dozen flesh wounds, which he would have willingly received as the price of his presumption. But these hopes were banished by the remembrance of that dreadful declaration which he had heard the Count make, after having overcome his last adversary, and he continued under the power of the most unsupportable panic, until the carriage halted at Hyde Park Corner, where he crawled forth in a most piteous and lamentable condition, so that, when they reached the spot, he was scarce able to stand. Here he made an effort to speak, and propose an accommodation upon a new plan, by which he promised to leave his cause to the arbitrament of those gentlemen who were present at the rupture, and to ask pardon of the Count, provided he should be found guilty of a trespass upon good manners. But this proposal would not satisfy the implacable Ferdinand, who, perceiving the agony of the Swiss, resolved to make the most of the adventure, and giving him to understand he was not a man to be trifled with, desired him to draw without further preamble. Thus compelled, the unfortunate gamester pulled off his coat, and putting himself in a posture, to use the words of Nim, winked and held out his cold iron. Our adventurer, far from making a gentle use of the advantages he possessed, fiercely attacked him while he was incapable of making resistance, and aiming at a fleshy part ran him through the arm and outside of the shoulder at the very first pass. The Chevalier, already stupefied with the horror of expectation, no sooner felt his adversary's point in his body than he fell to the ground, and, concluding he was no longer a man for this world, began to cross himself with great devotion, while Fathom walked home deliberately, and in this way sent a couple of chairmen to the assistance of the wounded knight. This achievement which could not be concealed from the knowledge of the public, not only furnished the character of Fathom with fresh wreaths of admiration and applause, but likewise effectually secured him from any future attempts of his enemies, to whom the Swiss, for his own sake, had communicated such terrible ideas of his valour, as overawed the whole community. End of chapter 33